More information about Brigham Young's 56 wives next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Bishop Earl, our regular co-host, is unable to be with us, and so we have invited Dorothy Catlin to fill in that part that he was helping out with the show, and she's been here before, and we thank you, Dorothy, for coming. You're welcome. And sharing this time with us and giving out the information we have. <laughs> I'm viewers. just here to read what you tell me. <laughs> oh, well, you, you've got some good input, too. You always have. Um, now, we're going to do 50... We're, we're, we're not doing Brigham Young's... Uh, just his plural wives. We started with his very first wife. Right. He was widowed, and then we, he had another legal wife. Uh, but oddly, there are different numbers, differing numbers, depending on what article you're reading about Brigham Young, of how many wives he actually had. And I think some of them aren't counting his first wives, uh, just his plural wives. But at any rate, we're, we're basing our information on 56 total wives. And um, he had so many wives, probably it's hard to keep track of anyway. And there were divorces and there were deaths. And, and so who knows what, why they were counting the wives that they were. But even Brigham Young himself said he didn't know how many wives he had at one time. So uh, the premise is that he had 56 wives. At any rate, we begin with some trivia yeah, about these, Brigham Young's polygamy. This is a really interesting list to me. He had three sons named Joseph, three named Brigham, and two named Hiram, and two daughters named Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> Eight of his 55 wives were older than him, but this is interesting. His oldest wife was 69, and she was his first wife's mother. Mm-hmm. I, that's mm -hmm. a little problematic. That's a little weird. Me. His youngest bride was 15, and he also had three 16-year-old brides. Uh, Eleven of his wives divorced him. Pretty big eternal that's marriage there. fascinating to me. Uh, he was a widower 19 times, and he made a widow of 25 women when he died, but two of them were living with other husbands at the time. Okay. <laughs> You need, a, so, you need a ball, a ball <laughs> card to keep track of all this. Well, and that's why I think there's differing accounts, because it's hard to keep right. track of all of this yeah. kind of information when you've got that many wives to keep track of, and the details that goes with each wife and each married a marriage. Now, we ended last time with Brigham Young's 43rd wife, Lucy Bigelow, and this time we're going to begin with Mary Jane Bigelow, Lucy's sister. Uh, they both married Brigham Young in the same day, Lucy, against her will, because she had great fear of saying no to the president of the church. But Mary Jane was willing to marry him. Now, to review the story of the Bigelow sisters, they were pretty young girls when the family settled in win winter quarters in Iowa after they left Nauvoo. And there was a man named Wicks who was pursuing the girls. He was smitten with the sisters, and he wanted them both as wives, and, and Lucy said that she would never marry a married man, which is, I think, an interesting comment. And then she did. And, and, and dismissed Wick's pursuit of, of the romance. And her sister was not excited about Wick's either. But Wick's wouldn't back off. So their father took the situation to Brigham Young uh, to intercede and dissuade the romantic ideas of Mr. Wick's. Um, but he not only removed Wicks from the courtship, he threw his own hat into the ring and proposed marriage to both of the girls, and they accepted. Lucy, because she was afraid to say no, and Mary Jane, because she wanted to marry him. 
Now, Mary Jane was the older of the two girls, and it was, uh, but it was Lucy who first came west with the Mormon pioneers. Mary Jane was not in very good health, and so uh, she waited to take the journey west. She was 19 years old when she married 45-year-old Brigham Young, so they were still in their teens. Mm-hmm. She married him at winter quarters, but then turned back because of her illness. And she finally arrived in Utah in 1850, but divorced him a year later. Isn't that interesting? I, I don't understand why you would go through all of that. Yeah, yeah. And she was the one She's that was eager. She was the one that wanted him. Yeah, she was the one that wanted to marry him. And then she got married four times after that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And after her arrival to Salt Lake, the Salt Lake Valley, she asked Brigham Young to release her from her vows of marriage to him, but her sister, Lucy, who didn't want to marry him, remained married to him for life. She had three children by Brigham and stayed with him till his death. Now, odd, it was one, it was, she was the one, like we said, who originally didn't want to marry him, and she stayed with him, and Marianne wanted to marry him, and she left him after a year, Mary Jane, excuse me. But another odd event is that Mary Jane ended up being married five total times. And we have a list of her uh, husbands here. Okay, so her second marriage after Brigham, she became the second wife of Horace Ephraim Roberts in 1851, and that's according to LDS Church records. And so she, she had was no a plural. known children. So she went from being a plural wife with Brigham to, to bring a plural wife again, number two somewhere else. Yeah. And then her third marriage, she separated from Roberts and married John Bear in April of 1856, and again, no known children. But she was still really young mm-hmm. at that point. She I would be. Yeah, she'd like still be in her twenties. 20s, yeah. Okay, fourth marriage. She separated from Bear and married Daniel Durham Hunt in February of 1859. But she must have separated from him because the 1860 U.S. Census shows her living in Provo, Utah with her mother and brother and using her maiden name. Interesting. How many yeah. marriages down the road and she's gone back to her mm-hmm. maiden name. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth marriage, after the death of Hunt, she married, <laughs> she married Philander Bell in April 1868. And then she died six months later. And I kind of paused on that name. I'm like, would you think twice about marrying a man named Philander? Philander. Are <laughs> <laughs> you Philander? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Of course, their names in those times were right. some interesting names as well. And so she died September of 1868 in an unknown location and of unknown causes. Then that's Just kind of a nobody. Wife. Yeah. 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 His 45th wife was Sarah Malin. She was 43. He was 46. She married Brigham the same day that Brigham sealed her father to another plural wife, we mm-hmm. quote. So this is from this familypediawikia.org website. Sarah Mallon, often misspelled as Mellon, was married in polygamy to Brigham Young on April 18, 1848. The marriage was said to have taken place in a cave at Winter Quarters or far west near Omaha, Pottawatomie County, Nebraska, while the Mallon family was traveling from Nauvoo, Illinois to Salt Lake with the Ezra Taft Benson Company. It's recorded that Sarah and Brigham later divorced. Well, if I would divorce anybody who married me in a cave. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta wonder what was with the cave, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because everything was so secret, you know. (laughs) Except they were on their way. 
they were yeah, on their but way there west. would be a tent or a building you or something think. they could get into besides okay but at any rate we don't know um, but she also divorced Brigham, and, and then after the divorce, Sarah and a woman by the name of, of Eliza Williams set out, and they were uh, planning on doing lectures uh, about the evils of Mormonism, and her first lectures were to be given in Boston, Massachusetts, but strangely, there's no further information whether she gave the lectures, whether she ever left Salt Lake, or what the consequences would be if she did give the lectures. However, her family history page shows she died March 20th, 1858 in Salt Lake City. She had married Brigham in 1848, so that's 10 years, and then divorced him, intending to lecture on Mormonism, but there's no history that it happened or didn't happen, but died 10 years after they were married. She was still living in Salt Lake City when she died. No indication of the cause of death. Now, I was thinking as I was going through this, it was in the late 1850s that the Mormon Reformation began, and all this fanaticism started, and people were marrying plural wives huh. just, just on the drop of the hat. And I'm wondering, and there was a lot of blood atonement taking place right. during that time. Now, I don't know, and I don't want to start rumors, but it was that period of time that hmm. she died, and I'm wondering if they blood atoned her rather than let her go do those lectures. I don't know. I'm wondering, but because there's no history... And it was that period of time, it makes you wonder, because they would. That's an interesting question. Or if she had done some and repented and came back. And then came back. Because she was afraid. Yeah, yeah. We're totally in the realm of imagination, but it's an interesting right. question. Uh, yeah, it's a time frame that makes it questionable, really. Okay, so wife number 46 was 25-year-old Eliza Burgess, of which very, very little information was found. He was 51, and she was 25. Uh, she was born December 1827 in England and died August uh, 18, or 1915, Salt Lake City, of unspecified causes. Uh, she married Brigham Young October 1852 in Salt Lake City, and that's the year they came out publicly with mm -hmm. that they were polygamous. And they had one child together, so they were married indeed. And that's all I could find out about her. Now, please remember, this isn't a detailed biographical historical discourse on each wife at all. We're just merely presenting each plural wife to give our viewers the, an idea of the loneliness, even, even the deprivation and poverty and favoritism with which this man, Brigham, treated his plural wives who thought they were doing God's will. His 47th wife was Mary Oldfield. She was 59 or 61, depending on which account you're reading. Uh, Brigham Young was 51 years old, so she was older than he was. Older. And they were sealed together by Heber C. Kimball, she had married Eli Kelsey in 1805 while they lived in New York. In 1836, her husband died, and she joined the LDS Church in 1841 and moved to Nauvoo. And there she met a man by the name of John Pierce, and they got married January 1843. But within the year, he died, leaving her a widow again. Three years later, she married John Gribble. These women are running around with men just like the men were with the women, aren't they? It's hard it, to say why amazing. exactly that might have been, except that it was un, it was hard to live as a single woman. Very, very, very difficult to be a single woman. Um, but you know, when I when I read other historical accounts, I don't see that much. They didn't move as quickly, right? From one spouse onto the next, right? Exactly. <laughs> Especially if there were no children involved, there's no family to support. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's the point. So she married John Gribble. He was 57. She was 54. And there's no official marriage 
record, by the way, of these two. So they may not really have gotten married at all. But we do have a quote about yeah, this. This is an interesting quote. Uh, By this date, the leading brethren of the church had fled Nauvoo. There was contention and distrust between the civil authorities and the Mormons. Thus, it's unlikely that Mary and John would be married by a Gentile justice of the peace. It's more likely that their union was one of common law consent or was performed by one of the remaining church leaders and went unrecorded. Now, here's the question. Was it love? Or did their marriage facilitate the journey from Nauvoo to winter quarters? See, that might be a reason to marry. If you're going to be set off across the plains, mm -hmm. you need a husband. And, and be, yeah, right. to, to be safe and, and to keep mm -hmm. other problems from well, developing. To be so. respected. And that happened yeah. a lot, too, in, even in yeah. non-Mormon history. Uh, and when they arrived in Utah, Mary and John Gribble then went their separate ways. He went to California, yes. got married again. And that's interesting, right? That tells you that the, the mar it was a marriage of convenience mm -hmm. to get from they're there gone. to here. Yeah. yeah, then they're gone. And then he later returned to Utah. And, and we don't know much more about him. In a detailed account of, of this family, we find a very interesting paragraph about the introduction of plural marriage to Utah Mormons. So... Mention, and this is the quote, mention of the doctrine of plural marriage frequently reaped persecution from those who were not members of the LDS Church. Thus, it was not until the body of the saints was well away from Nauvoo that the principles of plural marriage were discussed more openly among themselves. A document which officially announced the doctrine of plural marriage was introduced by Orson Pratt on August 29, 1852, during a church conference. Pratt denied that the practice had been instituted to gratify the carnal lusts and feelings of man, rather that its chief purpose was to provide righteous men and women the opportunity to have a numerous and faithful posterity to be raised up and taught in the principles of righteousness and truth. After Pratt's discourse, Brigham Young took the stand and explained further the circumstances surrounding the preservation of Joseph Smith's revelation on celestial marriage. You wonder what he explained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what more do we what need? Else do, <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> now, Mary's uh, son, Eli Kelsey, also entered into polygamy. And on the same day that her son was sealed to a plural wife, his mother, Mary, was sealed to Brigham Young in his office. She was 51 and she was 61. Now, there's no evidence that she ever became part of Brigham Young's household or that she received his support, but she did take the name Mary Young. Mm -hmm. So there's something going on there. Uh, she passed away September 24th, 1875. Strangely, there was no obituary or mention of Mary's death. It can't be found in either Mormon-owned Deseret News or the Salt Lake Tribune. And with her death, the story of Mary Oldfield Kelsey Pierce Gribble Young slipped quietly away into the unwritten pages of history. She was buried at the Tooele County Cemetery. Brigham Young's 48th wife was Eliza Babcock. She, uh, she was 24, he was 51. And this is another eternal marriage that ended in divorce. We quote from an article at utlm.org quote, that is quoted from the Brigham Young Papers. And it's interesting to me that after a certain point, they began recording divorces. So here's the <laughs> quote. After the church began recording divorces in 1851, Mary Ann Turley and Mary Jane Bigelow obtained divorces in 1851, Eliza Babcock in 1853, and Elizabeth Fairchild in 1855. Yeah. Divorce certificates from the Brigham Young papers. They were under 20 when they married Brigham Young and had never become part of his household. 
Yeah, uh, that's so really interesting to me. We'll, we'll, we'll have to do a show on his divorces I, because he there was charged a, an exodus out the door mm -hmm. during those years. Yeah. Maybe when they found out that their eternal marriages weren't, they decided, "Well, I can get out." Or of that this. it was possible to get a divorce right. and get out. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to get in their heads and really know what yeah. happened there. And I couldn't find any more information about this wife either. That was it. So we go to wife number 49. Uh, you wonder if they're getting tired yet. 49 wives. <laughs> and she was Catherine Reese. Um, she was 51 and he was 54. She was the widow of Zephaniah Clausen, who had disappeared. And it was believed that he had died in a steamboat explosion on the Ohio River. But they never did know for sure because he just disappeared. Catherine crossed the plains with the Mormon pioneers in 1848 with three of her children. In 1844, Catherine married Howard Egan as a plural wife, but divorced him in 1852. And on June 10th, 1855, she became a plural wife of Brigham Young. And that's all we could discover about Catherine Reese, another plural wife of the man who was considered to be a high and holy prophet of God. <laughs> Yet so many of those women are just totally unknown, even buried in unknown, unmarked graves. One on cemetery records, uh, there is an unknown Clausen, which was her maiden name, that was no that has no headstone, but the date of the death on, of the plot is the same as Catherine's date of death. So the family, her family, believes that the unnamed, unmarked plot is her grave. Hmm. They don't know for sure. His 50th wife, here we are, the half-century mark, was Harriet Barney. <clears throat> she was 25 and he was 54. And she was divorced from W.H.H. Sagers. Brigham and Harriet had one child together. She died in 1911. And again, there's no more information about her that she had been sealed for Brigham Young for time and eternity. So there's that. <laughs> His 51st wife was Amelia Folsom. She was 24 years old, still wet behind the ears, and he was 61. It was her first marriage, and she was said to have been his favorite wife. During meals, it is said that he and Amelia would sit apart privately while the other wives in the family ate together at a separate table, and they ate delicacies which none of the others were able to eat. Obviously, Brigham Young showed favoritism and also a lack of sensitivity. We quote from an article written by Hal Schindler. As forceful and dominant a figure as was Brigham Young, when it came to marriage, he was as vulnerable as the next man. Some husbands are forever henpecked. Others are assuredly lords of the manor. Brigham, it seems, was some of both. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is true. That's very true. And it's very possible that Brigham Young was henpecked to some degree. And we can know that because he gave a sermon when he threatened all of his wives to either stop complaining or get out of town. So there was some henpecking going on. And he preached this from the pulpit. He said he would release every one of his wives from their eternal marriages <laughs> if they desired to either settle down and shut up or leave. We have another quote from Schindler's article. Artemis Ward once remarked in a lecture, I went to count the long stockings on the clothesline in Brigham's backyard one day, and I used up the multiplication table in less than <laughs> half an hour. After his 1864 visit to Utah, Ward said, I saw his mother-in-law while I was there. I can't exactly tell you how many there is of her, but it's a good deal. It strikes me that one mother-in-law is about enough to have in a family, unless you're very fond of excitement. <laughs> 
Well, he married a mother-in-law, <laughs> too, too. So it's true. Go. I didn't think about that. So Amelia and Brigham were married in January of 1863. <laughs> she reportedly had granted only one interview in her life to a reporter. And that wasn't until 14 years after Brigham Young's death. She said that after they were married, she did not take up residence in Brigham's home until three weeks later. And at that time, his wives and children all lived there and they lived in their separate rooms. There were 75 people in his household and that included the hired help. Now, about their first encounter, she said this. Brigham was in the habit of meeting incoming parties of pilgrims, and in October 1860, when the Folsoms reached the outskirts of the city in a company of Mormon immigrants, the church president and his first counselor, Heber C. Kimball, came out in a carriage to welcome them. Amelia Folsom was then 22 years of age and in full bloom of her beauty, while Brigham was 59. Beautiful women were not plentiful in this then desert valley, the number of men greatly predominating in the small settlements. Okay, so he has an eye for the pretty women too, of course. Uh, Brigham Young biographer M.R. Werner wrote that Brigham was lovesick for Amelia, that he was captivated by her appearance and by her accomplishments. She could play the piano and she could sing, and none of his other wives were so tall and handsome and finished refined. Now Fanny Stenhouse, who lived at that time, and she writes about Amelia's arrival in Mormon Zion, she said this. One thing is very certain, he was as crazy over her as a silly boy over his first love, much to the disgust of his more sober brethren who felt rather ashamed of the folly of their leader. But he got her and they didn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> about their courtship, in that interview, Amelia said he began his pursuit immediately after the family's arrival in Salt Lake City, and it took two years before they got engaged, which was August of 1862, and they weren't married until January of the following year. So was she playing hard to get? Was she trying to make up her mind? Was she trying to decide if this was God's will? What went on, we don't know. But Annie, uh, Eliza Young said that Amelia established certain ground rules after she became another Mrs. Young. One of her rules was, she didn't, was that she did not have to live as his other wives lived. Uh, and from the first day, it became very clear that she ruled the roost. Eliza even made the remark, quote, that Brigham as a polygamist was under the influence of Amelia and was rapidly becoming a monogamist in all except the name. <laughs> Schindler said this as well. Amelia had jewelry, fine clothes, a carriage of her own, and she played the piano. She was also allowed to travel. Wherever they went to the theater, she occupied the seat of honor next to her distinguished husband in the box, while the other wives sat in the special row of chairs reserved for them in the parquet. Anne Elizabeth pointed out that when Amelia was ensconced in her beautiful new, elegantly furnished house, Brigham nearly deserted the beehive, except during business hours, spending most of his time at Amelia's. So it's interesting. We see some favoritism going on there. Of course, she's young and he's 61. Yeah, well, yeah. I wonder if those years, that long <laughs> engagement period, they were... She was negotiating. <laughs> very well. Uh, that's a good point. That could very well be. She could have been very shrewd in that way. Uh, and now the reporter uh, for, with whom she had granted the interview 
um, asked her if she had truly believed that Brigham, that she was Brigham Young's favorite wife. And she said that she couldn't really say that he had had any favorites, that he was equally kind and attentive to all of them and left each surviving wife uh, equal legacy. But, she said, she had been absent from home at long intervals during the 15 years she was married to him because of her travels to the East several times and also having taken an extensive tour in Europe. That doesn't sound much like equality among the other wives. And when, when we read the account of so many of his other poor wives, which we've been doing, uh, and, and his several divorces, we, we can't believe that Amelia was telling the truth. Now, or perhaps she didn't know of the inconsistencies in his other plural marriage, or of his abject neglect and lack of support of his other wives. Annie Eliza Young said that Amelia ruled Brigham with an iron hand and that she had a terrible temper. Then the reporter asked her the question, do you still believe in polygamy? Now, remember, the interview took place several years, 14, 15 years after Brigham Young had died. She answered like this. Certainly I do. If polygamy was once right, it is still right. There's no reason why a polygamous marriage may not be as happy as the ordinary marriage if it is entered understandingly. So understandingly means what? <laughs> well, I, I still get to be who I am and do what I want. Yeah, uh-huh. I get to rule the roots. <laughs> Which apparently was the case in her case. Evidently. Like you say, maybe that was a negotiating time that Perhaps. they were going through. Um, besides that, and we've studied polygamy a long time and many, many, many different hours of talking about this, there are many reasons why a polygamous marriage cannot be as happy as a monogamous marriage. It just cannot be. But she was right about one thing. If polygamy was once right, it is still right. If polygamy was ever wrong, it's still wrong. Amelia Folsom suffered a stroke which left her with some paralysis from which she later died. And we want to quote from a memorial by Beaver Weekly Press, December 1910. Amelia Folsom Young was born at Buffalo, New York, August 3, 1838. She was married to President Brigham Young on January 24, 1863. Having been acquainted with President Young since, as a child of five, her future husband had held her on his knee. Mm -hmm. Moved by his infatuation for this beautiful and intelligent woman, President Young built the famed Amelia Palace, filled it with beautiful things, and placed his wife in it as queen of all its beauties. There she reigned, a goodly woman, using her influence in all directions to the bettering of things in Utah. With the death of Brigham Young in 1877, she sold the Amelia Palace and bought the old family home at number six, South First West, where she spent the remainder of her days. So and that's that from the, the Beaver memorial, Weekly Press. The memorial it, of her? Uh, it, it, well, yeah, it's a, a death notice, but, you know, clearly very careful to say good things mm -hmm. in the right way. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> which they tend to do. And with her story, we finish part seven of Brigham Young's Plural Wives. And of course, we have more to come. We've got five more, I think five more wives to do. So thanks, Dorothy. You're welcome. <laughs> Appreciate your input there. You know, Mormon polygamists claim polygamy is a principle that God himself practices, as does Jesus, and that polygamy is a must in God's plan for our salvation. Now, the word must is important, and the New Testament has a few places where the word must is used uh, talking about our eternal life, but none of them include polygamy. 
In John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The word must is important. Jesus knew what he was talking about. And in 1 Timothy 3.2, we read, A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Mormonism takes the word of God too lightly. It is not to be held up for editing. God's commands to us and for our eternal safety, we need to pay attention to what he said without twisting it to fit our preconceived ideas. Well, that's all for this time, and we must say goodbye. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.